this thing on? Because it's getting ready to be on. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bell Ringer podcast. My name is Greg. Your guest name today is Ben Bissell. He's the executive director of the Westminster Economic Development Initiative. You'll hear us reference it as WEEDY, which is the acronym throughout the podcast. Great episode. We talk a lot about how he's helping the west side of Buffalo and the city of Buffalo beyond. And we talk about the economic development ecosystem in Buffalo, which is really important for folks outside our region and even inside to understand and grasp a little better. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. I sure did. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. All right. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast and welcome. Happy to be here. So for those that don't know, what is WEEDY? Well, WEEDY stands for Westminster Economic Development Initiative, and we are a nonprofit in the city of Buffalo that serves actually uh, more than the city of Buffalo, which some people don't know, but is primarily focused and does a lot, has done a lot of its efforts on the west side. Um, our mission is to empower economically disadvantaged people um, in Buffalo, New York, and the surrounding areas, and we do that through a variety of projects, and we're probably best known for the West Side Bazaar, uh, and that's a business incubator, a space with commercial kitchen. We also operate, our biggest actually operations are in our economic development world, which is um, has a goal to help individuals who are low income attain sustainable family incomes. Um, and so we offer business coaching, counseling, support in starting companies, uh, financial coaching even prior to thinking about starting or expanding a company, and then financing to go along with that. And in our education world, which a lot of people don't know we do as well, uh, we run a few after-school programs, um, and actually we're launching our high school one this fall. So you you brought it up, so I don't feel as bad opening on it. The West Side Bazaar, <laughs> probably, you know, the your uh, program that gets the most fanfare. There was an article this morning, the Washington Post mentioned it again, as uh, they were talking about Buffalo as an affordable destination, a budget vacation, and mentioned that you could eat at the West Side Bazaar. So um, give folks kind of the elevator pitch. I know you said it's an incubation for restaurants and, and kind of boutique shops, but what's the idea behind it? Yeah, so I mean, it's a very hard thing to explain without going there. So if you haven't been there, go there, and uh, <laughs> maybe you'll define it in different ways. But we've right. kind of said it's a, a synthesis of a business incubator, uh, an accelerator, not in the sense of tech or anything like that, but helping to accelerate companies that are already existing uh, a public market and a community meeting space and so uh, we really had no idea what it would become when uh, the stakeholders in the community determined that they wanted to open this kind of you know space um, and so it's really become a you know community asset it's become a space where people can start and launch companies um, and it's particularly been attractive to the refugee population so um, a subset of the immigrant populations and so it's really has this unique um, dynamic it's also got affordable food, which I guess is why the Washington Post right. <laughs> included it. It was attractive so. to them. Everybody, it seems like every uh, like tourism piece that comes out of an outsider coming to Buffalo, they always go to the bazaar now. It's like a staple. Yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. I, I think it's great um, that they do include it. I mean, it's three thousand two hundred square feet of space. Not that everyone knows that, but I mean, it's tiny. It's a eight by six square feet booth of space. So you know you. You move to the right, you're out of your space. You move to the left, you're out of your space. So um, it's quite tiny, but it's it's this uh, you know essentially hole in the wall space that the community has uh, taken ownership and, and and really thrived there. Why do you think it's been so successful or seen so much fanfare? Who knows? Now um, I think uh, the the individuals who run the businesses there 
are authentic. They're they're from the community. Uh, they cook excellent cuisines that you can't find anywhere else. They sell products that you can't find anywhere else. And um, it, it has, uh, you know, I think that's the attractiveness. I think it's really grassroots and that's, you know, been our organization for a long time. Um, and so that authentic feel that, you know, it's just reality. Um, and I think part of it is due to a lot of the conversations happening at, you know, national levels and local levels um, in terms of refugees and immigrants. And that's really, you know, um, the West Side Bazaar has become a focal point of um, the thriving uh, potential of community members. Yeah, so you mentioned the, the refugee population and and uh, the focus for the West Side Bazaar. And obviously you said, you know, a lot of your work has been focused on the West Side. What do you think that diversity in that community, what, what benefits does it bring to our city and our region in general? Yeah, I think, um, you know, our world is globalized. So um, whether we like it or not, we uh, interact all around the world with individuals from all different cultures, communities, thoughts. Um, you know, the internet has allowed everyone to share those thoughts, but I think there's, I mean, I live on the west side, I live very close to uh, Grant Street, in between Grant and Niagara, and, you know, I personally think the diversity brings unique perspectives, great and excellent food, um, it brings a, a sense of uh, the cultural diversity of the world right here in, at Buffalo, and so I think that the... Um, being able to have diverse communities just brings a more, you know, it's like a you wouldn't want a, a one color tablecloth. Um, you'd, you'd prefer a mosaic of, of different, uh, you know, things. So I think it's a that's kind of the comparison I would give is that, you know, um, we could have the most boring world where everything is exactly the same, or we could have a world where uh, people have different uh, ideas of how to approach things, and we can just let that flourish. So that's one of your big initiatives, but you know, you do so many other things, and. Buffalo Niagara as a whole kind of we have a large economic development ecosystem with a lot of different players um, you're you play a large part in community development and, and small business development um, which businesses do you think are best suited for your support your organization's support yeah so um <laughs> A variety. Uh, so mostly it's it's the micro-businesses, those with uh, five or fewer employees. That's not always the case. Um, oftentimes there can be companies that are small businesses, up to 100 employees. Um, but we, you know, our support is very much at the, at the uh, initial stages, so startups, um, and particularly, you know, slower growth startups, not the ones that can immediately get $5 million because they, you know, can, uh, are competing on, want to compete on a national scale. But, you know, the future rich products, the future uh, small businesses that grow steadily in our community. Um, and so, you know, I think it's the, the companies that fit that, you know, profile are best to suit, um, best suited to talk to us. We do encourage anyone to walk through our doors. So if we seem like a, a open and inviting space and someone wants to explore and determine whether it's appropriate, uh, situation, we invite them to come through our doors and talk to us, and then we'd refer to others like you if it you know makes a lot more sense there. Although they'd probably be able to go directly to your organization, <laughs> um, you know, or other partners that we work in the ecosystem. So it is true our ecosystem is a lot stronger in economic development in the past few years, and so that we generally are focused on the smaller companies, the nascent companies, those companies that can't get financing elsewhere. 
um, and those that want to uh, receive business mentors and support for a long time. I think the biggest uh, difference in the community is that we are developing relationships with the company owners and the companies themselves. And so um, if that makes sense, if people want a long-term relationship, uh, you know, we're the one to go to for marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the ways you do that is through, uh, through micro, your microloan program, which has been really successful. I read on the website that I think it was 88% of businesses are still operating within seven years of, of receiving a loan. Um, I guess go into that process a little bit and, you know, how do people apply and, and how much can they get and, and some things like that. Yeah, so we're really a microlender and uh, based on new partners in the community, including Excelsior Growth Fund and Pathstone Enterprise Center, um, who have entered and are, are lending in the community similar to us, alternative lenders, nonprofit, mission-based lenders. Um, we are focusing on the small loans. Um, we're focusing on really individuals who need a small amount of capital or are unable to access a larger amount. Um, and the, the model, uh, so we'll go up to 20,000 ourselves, but we can partner with agencies and go up to over you know 100,000. Um, so what we'll do is if somebody really is you know testing the waters or maybe they've been denied somewhere or um, they're you know maybe <laughs> you know nervous of going to another bank or bank or um, other lending institution, we will uh, partner with them to figure out what the best opportunity is. Um, the benefits of our approach to lending is, uh, we actually have readjusted and have a new model that we're unveiling, which hopefully will turn into fast turnaround times and things like that, which we're we're progressing towards. But um, it you know allows us to offer a smaller amount, but then do step up lending. So um, we offer a smaller amount, but then people can come back to us pretty quickly and get another amount. And so it's really tying in close up business and helping them grow without. Uh, encouraging them to take wild amounts of risk and then go bankrupt. You know, I mean, we're about taking gradual steps in managing the amount of financial resources you really need to sell. So an example, I mean, this is really grassroots, but an example I'd give, and I give it a lot, um, it, well, lately I give it a lot, um, is that, you know, if somebody wants to come and sell shoes and they, they have this unique product, which I won't mention, uh, in the shoe market, um, and yet they're coming from a low-income background or may have, um, you know, had challenges um, in their life, so they may not have ever handled $5,000 in their life. So if you hand $5,000, what are you going to do with $5,000? We may be able to control where that goes, but maybe it's just too much. Let's start it more gradually, and this is pretty wild, but let's do $500. Okay, how are you going to use that money to actually make more money next month because you got to pay the bills to cover your kids' costs, right? I mean, these are oftentimes not people that can take a six-month break from uh, business from their job and run a company and get it started and then fail and then go back to get a job this is you know these are uh, you know often the people with whom we're working have you know daily life challenges and that may be people listening to this I mean many of us I don't feel like I could just leave my job right, right. and start a company and so um, the process is okay how to use that $500 in the best way possible to return so brainstorm what would you do well, if I were you, I'd buy $500 worth of shoes and sell them, <laughs> right. you know, before yeah. talking about the website or the, you know, design or, you know, I'm going to open this new store, right. put the money, prove that that concept work, then go up to 1500 then go up to 5000 soon you'll have a flourishing business and a lot quicker than if you just took $20,000, open up a retail storefront, have a landlord that sets uh, 
uh, terms that are uh, you know not going to work out that well. You pay rent, you pay rent, you don't sell anything because you're focused on like fixing things in the store, making it look nice. You run out of money, you default on a loan, you come back. You know, so right. it's just a practical bootstrap approach to starting businesses, and that's how we do roll. So if that works with you or you're interested in that, we're looking at long-term success, not short-term you know uh, returns. Um, so that's that's kind of our space in the market. Are there industry requirements or, or preferences on your part for businesses coming to you? Um, so, yeah, n n no, actually. Uh, we actually have a pretty flexible requirement because we tie it, you know, we'll, we'll mitigate the risk through the size of the loan as opposed to industry. Uh, we, we do have limitations, but no one's even close to them, and we would uh, notify people if they came um, and had a uh, certain too much in one industry. Uh, what is probably good to note is we have a lot of people interested in starting restaurants, um, and we will help people start restaurants for sure. But the, basically, the way we're approaching it now is we're encouraging people to consider the expansion of the Westside Bazaar. Not that I can go much into that. <laughs> Just mark it. Um, so you know, the uh, the we're encouraging people to consider that as well as some other projects we haven't even unveiled. Um, in terms of how, how we would help them succeed there because restaurants 60% fail, right? I mean, you could pull up different aspects of the latest I've looked at 60% fail within three years, 90% five. So does it really make sense as someone who is trying to build a sustainable family income to do a restaurant? Well, maybe through the bazaar because month one, you're making money. So how do we offer more opportunities that mitigate the, um, the risk of owning a restaurant by sharing the equipment, sharing costs with other vendors, sharing the natural people who already show up at the bazaar, and if a new booth is there, they'll say, yeah, I'll try that out. Right. So what what success have you seen in the companies that you're, you're lending to? I, I saw something like in 2015 and 2016, from my notes that I have, uh, <laughs> they created 96 jobs and retained 127, and I know that's from 2016, two years ago, but how successful has the program been? Yeah, so uh, we're always surprised at how successful, because you'd think, you know, micro-lending, you're handing somebody 500 bucks and they're creating a job. Um, I think some caveats to note, and I think it's important for people in the industry to know the differences, right, is how do we define jobs, right? So we do count the owner as a job um, in those numbers. Um, and actually last year, I mean, we have even, we're getting more and more accurate with our with our jobs data, because uh, you're pulling from two, two, 2015 and 2016, but it does create multiple jobs because I mean we're working with startups, so they're at least creating one job um, if they're startups. We also work with existing businesses. If you're going to grow your company, you're going to create a few other jobs. Um, so I think in terms of job creation and retention, it's pretty successful. I think our more up-to-date data uh, that we have is approximately $2,500 is the amount of loan capital that we provide to create a job. So if you're comparing with other job stats, that's pretty wild. Now, let me also note, that's not, and I'm looking at your stats here on the wall, um, <laughs> you know, that is not the jobs you're creating through your work. We were, and we communicate this to funders all the time. This is someone who may be going from $10,000 to $30,000. This is not necessarily a living wage, and we, we encourage people to recognize that. I mean, we're, we work primarily in 14213, one of the you know, most impoverished zip codes, uh, if not the most. I think Buffalo Business First showed that it was the most impoverished um, zip code and, and shared that. So we're working with moving somebody up that ladder, um, that next step, 
not necessarily creating the next 50, 60,000. That's why we need multiple agencies working on this because what we'll do is create a job that's moved somebody from $10,000 to $230 or someone who is unemployed and you know to receiving government benefit to $10,000 and then to fifteen and then to thirty. So creating jobs is somewhat easy for our organization to do and retaining those jobs is also easy as you mentioned in an earlier stat of how many companies are still in operation. But the vision of what you see when you walk into a company is going to be very different than what you see from 43 North or what you see from Invest Buffalo Niagara. Um, and so there, there's a unique approach to that. And so that's why we fill that space of saying we're really you know, alleviating poverty, helping to create future assets owned by individuals in our community who you know, may never have access to the same level of assets as others. There's many data showing that the populations with whom we work um, often 20, 40 years down the line have, you know, an average $5,000 in assets. I mean, Boston had a recent study that showed Caucasians at, you know, I don't know, $200,000 of net assets and the rest of the population is hovering between $8 and 10. So, you know, this is about creating long-term health and most of the people with whom we work um, who are in certain age demographics, uh, the reason they do this is for the future of their kids. And I think that is the reason many people start companies that have been here in Buffalo for a long time. They're thinking about the future of their kids. And so those are the types of uh, companies we work with and that I think is the success that we're able to see. So you mentioned earlier, you know, your grassroots approach and, and one of the benefits of your organization is being able to meet these people personally and, and help them. What kind of educational tools are there for companies to help succeed? other than just, you know, here's the micro loan, like you said, what are you gonna do with that money? Yeah, and that's that's where most of our resources go, and that I will tell you straight up, that's my personal uh, biggest passion in our economic development program. Um, because the key in a lot of programs uh, uh, is the financing. Everyone's like, yeah, I wanna invest in a company and I can't wait to see it return, you know, 20% <laughs> right. every year for the future. And, you know, there are companies that do that. Our goal is really to develop people and develop people in business ownership positions. So it's not only develop people so they can work for the man, you know, <laughs> quote, right. Quote, right? So it's that is one option. There are programs that do that. I know Steve Tucker, you talked to, you know, they, they, we're doing programs like that and those are needed. What we want is a higher ideal. We want the person who is willing, those who are willing to, to um, not to work for themselves and then own future assets. So then they can transform their community. So we have an example of people that, uh, you know, start out with a laundromat and, and have moved to, you know, a bottle return company. I mean, these sound grassroots, right? Who is dreaming of being the first Burmese millionaire in Buffalo, you know? And what that does, it's not about him being a millionaire. It's about that community then accessing the resources that now he has as the first millionaire, some restaurant in the Burmese community, right? They, they have stabilized an element of that community. They can sponsor events that people are throwing. So it's this future idea of saying we need people like that within all communities. I mean, in Buffalo in general, we need future rich products, people that will stay here when they can choose to go headquarters somewhere else. And so um, that's uh, part of our approach. I may be getting off topic. I don't, no, no. <laughs> don't recall the question at this point, but yeah. No, that's exactly yeah. it. So, you know, that part of that education and, and helping oh, yeah. invest in these people is kind of incentives to stay in Buffalo because, you know, these are the people that helped you, right? 
Yeah, so I, I, I didn't really totally answer your question. So the, um, the, the we actually provide financial coaching prior to it, and so that's very much focused at personal financial uh, support, saying, okay, how do you improve your credit? How do you improve your um, you know savings? Maybe going and getting a job is the first step, not opening a business, right. um, you know, and, and considering those. And then after providing a loan, we provide comprehensive um, support, uh, which actually we're hiring for people who want to provide that. So uh, we have a little gap there in terms of the staffing, but um, we have a lot of business mentors um, who are willing to volunteer and work and coach these companies in the long term after they receive that loan. So we've kind of flipped the model. We used to be before you get a loan, you got to do all this heavy lifting. And then what would happen, you have the dream of great plan, you'd get the loan and your plan goes, you know, so um, what we now do is lend less, but then follow up consistently weekly in the support um, and then eventually to monthly on all the topics that you need to consider diving into your business under, and then you actually have you can look at your cash flow and say I'm cash flowing or you can look at your cash flow and say oh my goodness I'm not cash flowing what do I do and you can adjust midway and that's what being a business owner particularly an entrepreneur at this that type of entrepreneur you have to adjust you have to modify and if you're coming with limited resources limited connections and things like that one small mistake and you're out of business and that so What's one or two of your favorite success stories from the program? Yeah, so now I'm a, I don't know my personal favorites. I, I would have to think about that more. Um, but I can think of our, our Entrepreneurs of the Year Award, that uh, Rich Products Entrepreneurs of the Year Award that we uh, uh, offer each year. And, and one is that bottle return company. I mean, I really do like it because, I mean, it's, it's, it's real. It matches with the skills of the community. Um, and it's created a lot of jobs. Um, and it's really addressed a, a, an interesting need that you just wouldn't think about. So like if 43 North and other pitch competitions and things like that, that identify those, um, you know, uh, those uh, companies that are filling a gap in a larger marketplace, in, you know, billion dollar industry, right, or whatever. So um, this uh, particular company has started as the laundromat, right? And that was okay. And at the laundromat had, um, you know, and still runs it, but, um, you know, would help translate people's, uh, you know, letters for the community. So they would come there not only to get their laundry done, but to read their mail, as an example. And so they use that unique asset of language. Now, this bottle return company actually works with, and I know it because I live there, a bunch of people um, in the Burmese community and others who, who go out and they collect all the bottles from all the trash cans, from all, you know, after the Bills game, they bust a bunch of people out there and, and, and cleaned up the entire area. And so it's this project, and he's opened up a second location already within like six months. I mean, it's just really wildly growing quickly and meeting a need of, you know, improving our environment, improving our parks um, through the market. Um, and are able to provide um, support to these people, pay better than they would get at Pops or Wagmans, also be located in the community because, I mean, you're literally walking and pushing these carts around the city, so you need to have locations that are in somewhat uh, reasonable spaces. And the individuals who are actually operating those businesses are generally over 60, and um, and the, the, the subcontractors that are working generally over 60. They're already doing it. And that's their primary level of income, their income, and they're not going to be learning the English language. They're not going to be going out and getting a job. So they're actually being productive members of society in that particular um, industry. And so it's, it's a really unique model. He actually provides food, incentives. You know, he he, he provides what he can to support um, the individuals who are bringing the bottles. So he's kind of has this comprehensive approach. But I love it because if you go to the location, you're like, oh my goodness.
because the place is stacked with trash. (laughs) That's the business. So walk in and you're like, that's our success story. Look at the wall of, you know, beer that we drink. Good photo op. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. How many how many jobs do you think around a few to guess? Oh, I I hate guessing because I we have the data on that, (laughs) you know, but um I mean fifteen, but many of these people would have been operating already, so I, I know that I mean, it's at least like three core jobs. Um, I think it's probably more than that, but I'm, I'm guessing low. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, you live in the area in between Grant and Niagara. Grant Street obviously has seen a ton of investment of late, more than, you know, five years ago than it would have. What's it been like to be in that area to see such a revitalization going on? And, and we're kind of in the midst of it now. Yeah, I mean, I just laugh every time I look at a house across the street selling for four hundred and something thousand dollars. I'm still laughing, uh, but please, somebody buy it. Our, our property will go up like no, <laughs> my value will skyrocket. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, encourage you. It's worth that. Yeah, um, <laughs> it is a really great street. But yeah, I, I mean, I think there we have yet to see the data all shake out in terms of that. But being someone who lives there, I mean, I, I think it's still got a ways to go. You know, the Buffalo's, particularly the city of Buffalo, we need people. So unless we're attracting people who will be working jobs and have disposable income, and particularly in four, one, four, two, and 3, people with disposable income, we're, we're going to continue to be cir- circling the same funds around the same types of issues in, in location. So, I mean, I think there has been improvement. We um, have seen some of the data start to, to, to move the needle, um, and our work has been part of that, we believe. Um, uh, based on how we analyze the data, but um, you know, there's still a lot to do, um, and you know, it's stabilizing these this grassroots community approach, uh, or, or you know, um, kind of stabilizing our communities, like our real local small communities, and ensuring that we're also looking forward, because a lot of times you say if you're outside the community, or you kind of uh, go to Montreal or something, you're like, we should fill all the retail spaces as much as we want we understand why that would look really nice and we have a second Elmwood the problem is we'd be the next Elmwood and then Elwood would no longer be Elmwood because we don't have enough people and there's retail is not as you may know a growing industry so how do we deal with those challenges of the fact that our, our economic world is changing we Netflix we Amazon we Google right so so how do we think about that in the context of local communities and so I think there are uh, we're working with uh, not only as an organization but also with the companies we work with to really consider that is a retail location the best decision for you generally found uh, it's often not it actually puts more complications it's huge expense and it's challenging so how do we how do we face that dilemma so um, yes there is a lot of investment I think housing and um, providing you know the work that you're doing providing these larger scale jobs are core to revitalizing our community right and we're in the middle of it by no means is it you know we're not at the finish line not, well, no not yet right. yeah but yeah. the work that you know your organization is doing is obviously having a great impact yeah, I, I mean, I, do. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree, and the data does defend that. That's why we analyzed the data. If the data showed that we were not doing a good job, we'd say, okay, well, let's stop doing that. Uh, we really are. We're very straightforward about that. I mean, personally, too. It's like, I'm not going to waste my life doing something that doesn't work. Um, but, uh, and I, I mean, and I think that there's a lot more to be done. But I think what's beautiful is, is the resurgence that people talk about. I mean, it, it, there, 
at a minimum, we perceive our community as a much better community, and people treat it are starting to treat it more and more like that community. And I think that's really a huge first step. Um, and I, I, I think that there's data that backs those up. And I think some of the challenges that we continue to face are, are all members of our society included in that benefit, and that's one of the spaces Weedy fits. Um, and also, how do we consider what's what's going to be like in ten years? You can have a resurgence today, and in ten years, you know, we can be distraught and depressed because we lost all our company. You know, so how do we maintain that? And I think it's um, encouraging and investing time and effort and money into the places that are looking forward ten years and are addressing who's going to be here in ten years, like refugee community. Like, how are they going to be here? The you know, low income communities. Most of the people we work with either have been resettled to Buffalo and stayed in Buffalo their entire time here, or were born in Buffalo and born and raised in Buffalo and will remain born and raised in Buffalo. And so how, how do we support them in being the future that develop our community from a business standpoint? Well, congratulations on all the success that you've had so far and, and good luck going forward. Uh, we have a few blizzard round questions for you. Right. Hard hitting, journalistic questions, which you prepared for without my permission. <laughs> I just listened to an episode and realized, wait, these are the same. But I, I have not heard all of them, thankfully. Right. I've only heard the, well, I won't break your <laughs> Two of them, I think. I think two of them I know are there. We're going to go piecemeal. We're going to go for it anyway. Right. <laughs> if you were a flavor of ice cream, what would you be? Oh, see, I did not prepare. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Uh, chocolate Panda Boss. <laughs> Book or a TV show that you'd recommend? Um, I, well, I, I think uh, Ready Player One is pretty good. I'm listening to it now. Text or phone call? Uh, oh, oh, my goodness. I don't know. I, oh, uh, Text. You were you sold that. You were overly prepared for that <laughs> one, and you pretended like it was a hard yeah, question. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You knew your answer. somewhat hard for me. Oh, man, I'm like in between the text or uh, phone phase of the millennial world, I guess. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> uh, bills or sabers? Uh, bills. Hiking or skiing? Oh, uh, um, skiing. <laughs> and chicken wings, drumstick or flat? Oh, definitely uh, flat. You can pick it apart piecemeal and just, yeah. I want to do a tally, <laughs> go back through the episodes and do a tally of... Who said what for that question yeah. and see if there's like a consensus or a percentage. And tell them they need to totally, you know, start throwing out the drum. No, that'd be horrible for our... Yeah, <laughs> terrible. And I'd be sad. population. Oh, you'd be sad? As oh. a drumstick Yeah, guy. plus, yeah. I mean, yeah, if I don't win, ooh. Right. Ooh, that would be bad. You like drumsticks? Oh. Big drumstick guy. Oh, goodness. Yeah, oh. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being on the podcast. I had a good time. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Bellringer is a podcast by Invest Buffalo Niagara, the region's privately funded nonprofit marketing and economic development organization. Please rate this podcast, follow our social media channels, and read our blog at buffaloniagara.org for the best of Buffalo Niagara. Come grow your business with us.